Listener Production. I'm Dr. Sophie Calabretto, and this is The Science Briefing, a podcast about the science of everything. And the start of this episode sounds a little different than usual. I thought, why not mix it up? Because that's what this conversation you're going to hear in this episode is like. It's a little different. It's pretty cash. And that's because Cosmos Magazine journalist Evram Yazgan and I gush over jazz. But not only that, we get super geeky and look at where the science world overlaps with the world of music. Okay, so Evram, we have eerily similar life paths here. We're both science people and musicians. And by that, I mean, you are a musician. And at one stage in the past, I used to be a musician (laughs) because I used to play the recorder in a Baroque recorder ensemble in primary school. Cool. But I am intrigued. When you're writing stories for Cosmos, how much do you think your musical background sort of plays into what you see and hear and write about? Yeah. So just before I get onto that, I would like to say I do wear both hats. Bit of background. I used to play drums. I currently play guitar and violin. I also compose some music sometimes. Oh, like you're a real musician. I'm a music nerd. I, <laughs> And it's got to the point where, you know, I'm into like progressive rock and 17 minute long songs with varying like time signatures and things. It's crazy. Love it. But I do also find myself gravitating sometimes to stories that link music and science because I think it's pretty cool to sort of marry those two worlds. But maybe even more so than that, I think the science side of my brain factors into how I play and and even write music. I tend to kind of think of music quite scientifically and mathematically. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I could ask you the same question, Sophie. How do your music and science brains coexist? I guess it's quite interesting because, I don't, as I said, I don't really play music that much anymore. But I think science, you actually need a high level of creativity to be a really good scientist. And I think when people talk about music, they think about it in a creative way and science is really analytical. And I don't think that's true. And I know a lot of scientists who are crazy good musicians and I think it's their creativity in both which makes them outstanding. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I can think of many examples of of exactly that kind of thing as well. And there's also quite a bit of research into where music and science do overlap. I mean, just a few examples. There's research that suggests musicians have more brain connections than non-musicians. Oh, And by that, I mean like more connections between the neurons, which comes from practicing and going over the same kind of routines over and over. Other research also suggests that music releases dopamine in the brain. And there's one other study, and this is from a few years ago, which is super interesting. And it looks at how musical pitch may actually differ across cultures and your response to the intervals between notes. Oh, what does that mean exactly? So it looked at how Westerners, so mostly people from the United States, had different reactions to chords or combinations of notes when compared with non-Westerners. So the non-Westerners in the study, they specifically looked at a group of people who live in the Bolivian forest, Mm -hmm. and they're called the Zymane people. And the researchers were interested in this group because they have relative isolation from Western culture, which means they don't tend to have as much exposure to Western music and, and songs. So what they did is they played certain chords to Western ears, the combination of C and F sharp, which sounds like this, is typically found to be more grating. For my music nerds out there, that's an augmented fourth. (laughs) Um, But 
Siamese listeners rated this chord as just as likable as other chords that Westerners found more pleasant, like C and G, which sounds like this. Okay, that is very awesome. Again, for my music nerds out there, that's a perfect fifth, and that is the power chord. So that's behind all of your rock music and your pop music. Yeah. So look, there's a bunch of cool things that scientists are looking into that bring together the music and scientific worlds. But there's one research project I wanted to focus on, and this sort of takes things to a whole new level. We're going to do a deep dive into the world of jazz. What do we need to know about this research? Firstly, jazz is kind of the perfect music genre to use as a case study if we're going to look at where science and music collide. Okay. Jazz itself is often very complex and mathematical in its song structure and also how it's played. But it also has a certain feel, which is hard to describe, and it kind of sets it aside from other genres. I mean, there are a number of jazz musicians and experts who have tried to explain this. It's got a kind of lackadaisical, feel-good vibe to it. I mean, Louis Armstrong once said, if you have to ask what jazz is, you'll never know. So it's certainly something which comes from within the player itself. But perhaps the biggest part of what sets jazz apart from other genres is a very particular element, and that's called swing. Okay, so I've heard of swing. What is that in particular in jazz? So yeah, it's definitely one of jazz's most notable features. And I guess the best way to tell you what it is, is to show you. So I'm going to pull up some swing jazz music and we can listen to it. And I'll walk you through what makes it swing. Apart from that being just absolutely fantastic, how does it make you feel? What what do you sort of take away from it? Do you know what's really interesting? I hate dancing, but that makes me want to dance. Like I just, it Ah. gets in you, right? Like you want to move, you want to move. It's really, it's kind of, it's pervasive is what I'm going to call it. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think, I mean, perhaps you might've found your body doing a bit of a swinging motion. I definitely was and no one can see me. So that's good. Okay, so that's me anyway, and kind of my thoughts on swing. So can we unpack some of the musical theory here now, Everham? I sort of want to get into what's actually going on. Yeah, so getting technical now, swing is based on how you play something called a quaver. And a quaver is a type of musical note of a particular length. So if you've ever looked at a piece of sheet music, quavers are the notes that are kind of like a ball with a stick and a little tail at the top. In American musical language, they call it an eighth note. And this is because it represents one eighth of a 4-4 bar. So they're a relatively fast note, a short note. Now, quavers in swing music are played at uneven lengths. So they come in pairs and the first quaver and the second quaver aren't the same length. They don't land at the same time. Basically means you have this moving kind of swinging motion that comes out of the way that the quavers are played themselves. In other musical genres like pop or rock, Quavers are typically played at the same length and sort of fall on the beat. Okay, I really like this, Ephraim. I love some musical theory. But bringing this back to what this podcast is all about, what's the science here? (laughs) Yeah. So this research was looking at the exact length of these quavers and where they fit into the bar. Okay. Because the interesting thing here is that the exact way in which eighth notes are swung and the way that they're played in jazz is still something of a mystery. We haven't known their exact length or how long these swung notes are played for in relationship to each other. It might sound strange that we don't know, but if you think about jazz for a second and how it sounds, it has that free-flowing, as I said, lackadaisical kind of style. 
And jazz performance obviously deviates from the standard musical formula and can kind of deviate from one musician to another as well. So it makes sense that these quaver notes might not fit into a normal musical sound and some might be longer and shorter. Some jazz purists have said over the years that you shouldn't have to quantify the length of these quavers and try to get down into the nitty gritty of how swing happens, because to do so might actually take away from the genre's charm. But look, leave it to scientists to try and figure this out. So some researchers in Germany set out to do that and find out the length of these uneven quavers. Right. So what were these scientists up to? So this is a team from a place called the Max Planck Institute for Dynamics and Self-Organization, as I said, in Germany. They analyzed 456 jazz solos from various different jazz artists. And the main thing they were looking at was downbeats and offbeats. Okay, downbeats and offbeats. Can you run us through what they are exactly, Evram? Yeah, so basically downbeats and offbeats refer to the order in which the quavers come. So if you imagine a 4-4 bar, it's a standard time signature, you count that one, two, three, four. So the downbeats would be the numbers. Yep. Now the offbeats would be if you added an and in between each number. So one and two and three and four and. So the researchers got very mathematical about this. They isolated every downbeat, offbeat pair. So they stood alone as two quavers. And they looked at the length of each note in the pair. They also looked at the delay of each note in the solo. So they don't sit exactly on the one or the and, but slightly off. Okay. They also looked at the ratio of length between the downbeats and the offbeats in each pair. So for example, if the length was one to one, in other words, they were the same length or two to one. So the first note is twice as long as the second note, etc. Okay. And so what did they find, Evram? Did they come up with some scientific explanation for why swing sounds like it does? Like what were the ultimate findings here? Yeah, absolutely. They, they managed to quantify it. I mean, one of the things that they make sure to note is that this is based on tendencies. Like they found averages, yep. but they did find quite a strong tendency to do with the delay in the downbeat. So that's the starting point for the one, two, three, four count where the numbers land. So if you imagine a metronome, which lands every time you're meant to have a one, two, three, or four. Mm -hmm. These downbeats, so the first note in each quaver pair, is slightly later than the metronome beeps. So it's because of this kind of offbeat placement of the downbeat that gives jazz its chill, free vibe, and what a little bit ago got you feeling like you wanted to dance. Okay, Evram, before you mentioned how some jazz people and purists might think quantifying or unpacking the science in jazz sort of takes away from its charm and its mystery, but as someone with hats in both worlds, what's your take on kind of looking at science and music together and how they interplay with each other? Yeah, so for one, I guess I can understand the musician's argument. You know, there's something to be said for just feeling the music and not overthinking it. But putting my science hat on, I think unpacking things like the way that you play quavers unlocks swing can help us understand why music gives us a certain experience and also why music as a whole is so universal. It can also be useful in music production. For example, understanding how playing quavers at different lengths produces swing can help in electronic music production. So I don't know, maybe I'm kind of at an interesting intersection with this stuff, but I think science and music can complement and feed off each other in really cool and creative ways. Ever 
Evram Yazgin is a science journalist for Cosmos magazine. You can read more of Evram's reporting by heading to cosmosmagazine.com. Also, if you're a fan of the show, don't forget to subscribe. You can download the Listener app to listen for free or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Just search The Science Briefing and leave us a review. Let us know what you think. The Science Briefing is produced by Listener and the Royal Institution of Australia. This episode was produced by Jake Morecambe. Mixing by Dave Stein. I'm Dr. Sophie Calabretto. Catch you next time. Which is, this is the one that I used to like, it's like this. That's that's swing. You should totally play that. That's oh, swing. Really? My fingers are getting sweaty from the pressure. I'm gonna have to listen to it here. <laughs>